Hey, what's up? I'm Janae Tian. I'm CJ. And this podcast is brought to you by Lightning Boy Clothing. A fashion brand inspired by mental health. Let's check out today's episode. Let's go. from the June 6th protest that happened in Brisbane, or the traditional name is Minjin. And that was some of the Indigenous locals and elders doing a traditional song there at the protest. So, how was it? Um, to be honest, um, as a black man growing up in America... Um, and now living in Australia, and seeing the same issues with black people around the world um, is a big eye-opener. Unfortunately, in America, it's common in the American culture to assume that these things are happening to us here in America, and we are very blind to these same issues happening on the other side of the world. Um, So being out there with just so many different types of people of color, of people who identify with being black, people who have been oppressed by their skin tone or um, their features. was It was scary, but also warming to know that there are people around the world in the same fight and who fight for the same equality and struggles that we do in America. Yeah, it was over, I'd say probably over 30,000 people, but 30,000 people were documented being there at the protest. And um, it was a very big emotional day for CJ and I and um, our friends who came along with us. I think it, it definitely highlights the fact that, yeah, there is work to be done in America for sure. And there was a lot of, the protest was done in solidarity with uh, showing so Americans that uh, Australia stands in solidarity uh, with the injustices happening over there and the recent one of the recent cases, George Floyd. But it also was an opportunity to give the to the stage um, to the indigenous leaders and elders here in Australia who who highlighted the fact that there have and always you know there have been always issues here in Australia regarding injustices. Just to mention the 432 deaths in custody, Indigenous deaths in custody, that have zero convictions. So that was one of the main talking points. Um, How's your mental health? Let me check in with you on that. Um, So the morning before, currently my mental health is stable, I'll say. It's not immaculate. It's not bad. It's stable. Um, 
the morning of the protest, uh, it was mixed. It was mixed. Uh, it was it was a good feeling to know that what I was about to go do was going to be another big positive protest that we would be a part of and to try to help make a better future for our kids. But uh, as it got closer, the more emotional I got about it, just because it, it's it's such a blatant reminder that people don't like me, my wife, my kids, and millions of other people just because of the region they're born in, where they come from, uh, the race they identify with. Um, it, it's just a hard pill to swallow every time, and it's one we have to take daily. Yeah, I think one of the biggest moments for me was when um, we, well, first of all, we had a couple of speakers. So there was Indigenous um, leaders and activists and elders there talking about their uh, trauma stories, but also the list of 14 demands. And there was a daughter of a Black Panther there. So she, you know, an African-American woman. That was awesome. Which was really cool to see and hear. That was just a little snippet of Leslie Valle Garcia, an African American woman who is a daughter of the black of the Black Panther, um, and she currently lives in Brisbane. There was also Maori activists there who who did a traditional um, haka as well. They're from the Destiny Church in the Gold Coast.
And essentially, with all these different speakers and hearing all these stories and seeing the many faces standing in the crowd, just, you know, listening to every word and letting people of different backgrounds have the stage and let, you know, brown and black voices be heard. One of the biggest moments for me was when I looked to my left and I I look at my husband and he is just, you know, crying. That was the moment that I realized that, you know, change needs to come because when my husband, who is how old, how tall are you? Six foot, six foot, what? Six five. Six six five. A big guy, who people usually fear. This man is vulnerable and is tearing up in a crowd of thirty thousand people as the King George Square in Brisbane echoed, "Black lives matter." And that was huge. That was huge for me. And I actually captured that on on a photo. And I think that's one that I'll never forget because it just reiterates the fact that at any moment you could be mourning over your own husband or children or friend. It's, you know, it's very close to home. This This isn't an issue that you see on the news that you go, oh, that's so far away. You know, what can we do to help? It's This is in our own backyards as well as in America. This is here where we live and it's almost like no matter where we go, we can't escape it and it's very scary. Yeah, it's... I also wanted to add that it's super super positive like it was mad positive for my mental health um to see that sea of 30,000 plus people out there chanting passionately black lives matter oh my god and the passion chanting, and, and chanting for reform <laughs> there was passion people were just like it was passion okay but the point <laughs> the point the point of what i'm saying is not only was there a sea of these beautiful brown faces mm. there were white people there were people from all different walks of life there are people that people probably prejudged and said you're racist or you don't like black people or you don't like people of color and you look at these people and they're they're chanting and fist pumping and marching in the streets and staring down police and whatever right next to you and um that for my mental health was very 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 positive because that was a reminder that not everybody is bad. Not everybody is evil. Not any everybody is is born to discriminate. Mm. Um, and yeah, that was just that was warming. I needed that. <laughs> I definitely needed that. That might have been why I was crying. Can we just talk about the fact that we have? So we have a we had a couple of favorite moments at the protest. One of which CJ caught on camera was this guy oh, who I love that guy. we don't know your name, sir, but we love you. We and love you're invited you. to the next cookout. So he, he was white, right? And he had this megaphone and he was screaming into the megaphone so damn hard that he was bright red. His face was red. His face was red. What do we want? Justice! Like he was so passionate and I just wanted to give him a big cuddle, but there was probably about another, you know, 
70 people in between us and I couldn't get there. He definitely would have spat on you on accident, <laughs> but not, but like not on purpose. No. <laughs> and then there was like this other chick. She was, she was also white, super, super short, like getting lost in the crowd. And she was leading the, one of the chants and she was also bright red, but she was like, she did not stop. Her voice was giving out and she did not stop. She, at the end, it was kind of like a, what do you want? Like yeah, she was right. like, she had no voice, but she. It almost sounded more passionate, like like her demonic spirit for change <laughs> and equality was coming out. And she was about to take the machine down. <laughs> she was raging against the machine. She was raging. Oh, my God. And there was one chick and she had fuck racism on her sign. And I was like, your sign kind of goes with my sign so we took a photo with like fuck racism and my sign said for my children and um oh another cool moment was this uh this other chick beautiful brown-skinned girl and she had a, an Angela Davis quote on her sign that I had on my sign and we had like this like like I love you man like moment across like we're doing like this like you know it's chapping on the chest like I love you and she's like I love you and she had the Angela Davis shirt on like you know we have the same quote like who would have thought it was a who wore it better moment with signs you know the bitch stole my look type situation (laughs) (laughs) but it was it was it like you said it really restored our faith in humanity to know that there was people out there who traveled from you know around Brisbane area or Gold Coast um, and obviously a lot of people will now shout out to the real MVPs, people who travel from Bundaberg, which is where we're living right now, um, which is a four hour drive, you know, that's time and money and energy and, you know, organization to like, to do. And to someone like, you know, who's all about the fight might be like, yeah, and what? Like I travel across the world for this, but you know, for some people, like CJ and I really appreciate it. We understand that it's yeah. a big deal to go and be like, "Hey, I heard this protest on, letting you know we're going. Will we see you there?" Um, and you know, we got you. We stand with you. We walk alongside. And I think one of the best quotes I can quote is from a lady. I won't name names just in case she doesn't want to be named. Um, she's um, she's a lovely lady, and she has two children. One of which is. Um, brown skin and he's older now and the other child is white and she basically said until both of my children are treated the same and not different based on the color of their skin I stand my my by my decision to fight to ensure that I'm doing my part to make a better world and I was just like damn because literally she's in the middle of it she has a black child and a white child and both of them are seen differently in this world yeah, they would be. And that actually brings up an interesting point that I wanted to touch on. First of all, I don't want to gloss over the fact that you just shouted us out and patted us on the back for driving from, from Bundaberg. <laughs> no, I meant to say I was shouting out other Everybody people, who everyone who traveled. Well, one of our friends. I'll take the pat. Did I seriously say that? No, no. I think, honestly, I just highlighted it. So. No, I, I, I was it. highlighting the fact that people <laughs> from Bundaberg drove and I was sh- trying to give them a shout out. And then you were like, and that's where we're from. And that's where we came from. <laughs> well, yeah, we drove four hours too. Whatever. Yeah, not saying we didn't need it. I mean, sometimes <laughs> you got to, you know, shout yourself out. <laughs> Anyways, but what I wanted to touch on or something that popped in my head right now, actually, was that growing up with a white mom, I'm asking you, obviously. Oh. <laughs> I was like, really? (laughs) (laughs) That's news for me too. Anyways, um, growing up with a white mom, um, because 
thinking about the situation with the woman with the kids from two different racial backgrounds um, kind of made me think, I wonder how that is in a household when these type of situations come up. Um, would you be able to speak to that in, in the sense of coming from being identifying as an African-American woman and having a white mother? Hey, mom. Hey, C- hey mom. CJ called you out. No, it's no, it's calling Janae out. You know. <laughs> Um, okay, yes, my mom is white and I am uh, half of her and half of my dad, black and white. So, yeah, there was – so I think we've talked about this a lot in the sense that my mom is obviously a very – well, my, it's not obvious. You guys don't know her. My mom's <laughs> cultured and educated and obviously had a black child. Um, and I, I think a lot of people think that that means that they're not – they can't be – ignorant to racism in the world if you are involved in those you know have black children whatever um my mom however is not an ignorant she reads up a lot she's she is in the know on what's happening in the news and she stands for the injustice and she's and she educates her peers who a lot who a lot of the time are you know older and and white but she makes sure she has those tough conversations with her peers with her friends and family Um, and it's always been a thing because she's always had me now there, there has been conversations that we've had, however, where, although my mom did her very best to educate me on and empower me to love me and my skin and my hair and all the rest of it. Um, you know, I grew up in, in a town that didn't have a lot of people who looked like me. So psychologically, I don't know. Uh, but I didn't really grasp the idea that, um, I am, that sounds stupid, but like I am black. I didn't grasp that idea because it, it's because I was treated in the household that it didn't matter like what skin color I was. So I went out into the world thinking it didn't matter what my skin color was and it shouldn't. Right. Uh, but there was many conversations that my mom and I probably should have had where things happened to me that now we both reflect and realize it was because of the color of my skin. Um, whether it be at school and, you know, I'm the one up for suspension because uh, a young boy, just for context, who was white, called me the N-word repeatedly. Um, and one day I got over it and punched him like, hello. <laughs> my mom would always tell me. <laughs> my mom would always say, you stick up for yourself. And if that means if someone's being, um, she always said, if someone is being racist to you and uses that, that disgusting word, you have my full support to sock him in the face. <laughs> and I know violence isn't the answer. And I never, I only ha- that only happened one time because the guy got all up in my face, all up in my grill. And, and you cooked him. I, and I cooked him. Um, but it was things like me being up for suspension for that. Okay, granted, I did physically hurt the kid, but he was bullying me for months and nobody took notice of that when I was being bullied um, and being having racial slurs thrown at me and shit thrown at me as I walk past the classroom. And this is at a private school. Um, it's teachers assuming I'm indigenous and then almost acting like as if it's a relief that I'm not indigenous as if to say there is a status like, or, or a hierarchy in what type of black you are. It's disgusting. Um, it's whether I got the medical treatment that I deserved or not, it's me being the only one arrested in a room full of, in a group full of white kids who were intoxicated and I wasn't, but I was arrested and profiled as Indigenous. You know, it's things like that that have happened to me that, 
we now, my mom and I have had conversations to go, probably was racial profiling. But back then we were kind of like, well, what a shit person, you know, right. or or <laughs> what a rude lady or, you know, well, that hello, are you guys busy and you don't see my daughter standing right here? Like my mom always wanted to see the good in people. And I think it's hard when you have a black child and you look at them like the sun shines out of their behind. And let me tell you, oh, it does. But I think it's hard when you look at your child and you see the best in them, you want the world to see the best in them. And I think it's kind of like, you can't fathom someone not treating them with respect or with equality because of the color of their skin. So a lot of the conversations we had were about feminism and like put in a compromising situation with a man or a boy or you know what are you wearing and not drinking too much so that you can protect yourself whereas the conversations that you and I talk about will have with the kids will be more obviously about that but and respecting your bodies and all that stuff but we will be very heavily motivated on the fact that you are brown children in this world it's it's a must um well the thing is we already our kids are three and five we already have those conversations in ways that they understand and also in ways that won't confuse or scare them Mm. because there is a limit to what a three and five year old will and will not understand. So um, with that said, growing up um, and Janae and I've had these conversations too, but there's been so many times and by so many times, I meant daily from like the age of six that there's a whole rundown speech that my parents, whether it be my mom or dad, or even my older siblings would go through before I left the house. It was not to wear a do-rag outside because somebody might think you're, cops might think you're gang related. Not to be outside walking the streets with more than four of your friends. Not to be riding in the car with more than three of your friends. Not to have your music too loud. Don't be out past a certain time, which I think is a common one, but it's different results, I believe. Um, and you know what? The, the list, honestly, the list honestly goes on. I'm, I'm kind of actually getting a bit emotional thinking about it because these are conversations I'm going to have with my kids, no matter where we live in the world, because I'm not blind to the fact that the world is a very fucked up place. But we have to equip our kids to be able to handle it. And like Jay-Z said... They got to learn how to move in a room full of vultures. Unfortunately, the room that we're moving in is the world. Yeah. And let's go back there. Uh, You know, like you said, Charlie and Jax are three and five who are already showing signs that they don't like themselves. They don't love themselves. Yeah, little comments they say about um, certain things about their hair. And mind you, there, there isn't a blacker house in Australia, for one. And there isn't, they're probably, we probably rival a lot of the houses in the U.S. Everything we do, everything we say, listen to, watch, whatever, is very, very specifically picked um, on the number of positive brown faces that we'll see or encounter or hear or listen to. Yeah, for sure. And I see a difference in our daughter, especially when we're watching people who look like her and her face lights up. Oh, she lights up. But the problem is um, we've had to make a decision on where we want to raise our children. 
and that is here in Australia. And I'm getting a little bit emotional because we have to make those sacrifices where we could raise them in America where Charlie could be herself and see people who look like her, but it's dangerous right now. Literally dangerous where our family and friends are. And so we've decided to raise our children here for the time being, which it is a beautiful country. It's a beautiful place. I grew up here. There's a lot of good, even though we're talking about a lot of negative things, there's a lot of good here. But that comes with her and ja- and our son seeing people who don't look like them, seeing a lot more people who don't look like them, right? And then not having that that community that they can dive into for their safe haven. And I know for a fact growing up here that I hated my hair. I hated my skin. I wanted to be like my best friend, whatever she did. I felt ugly. I felt like nobody wanted to be with me. I was not proud to be black. And it took me until I was nearly 18 years old to have an aha moment from when I went to America to be with family and friends and see other women who look like me. Representation is vital. And I want her to know that there are People who look like her, not just in the books, not just on the TV shows, not just in America. It's real people. There's real people. At one point she thought that America, she says, is another world and that, you know, certain things that we show them aren't real, that they're only in books and TV shows that we show them. That's like when we watched um, yesterday, we watched uh, The Cinderella from 97 with Whitney Houston and Brandy. Oh, impossible. Charlie Charlie just kept saying... (laughs) Is this real? Like she, her mind was blown. Like there's a black princess, there's a black fairy godmother, there's there's an Asian prince. Like there was, it was like there's Whoopi Goldberg. There's Whoopi Goldberg. Like I'm, y'all, y'all need to see it. Tell them. Tell yeah, them they gotta see it. see it. If you haven't seen it, I mean that's an issue with your upbringing. But anyway, <laughs> but. it's such a good movie, and and it's, it's funny because it's like it's a musical, and they're honestly singing. So you have you're gonna have the song stuck in your head forever. But yes, the the fact is Charlie didn't kept asking like is this so is this a real movie because Cinderella doesn't look like that like this is not Cinderella and we you know have to within our daily practices of life have to empower her to say anybody can be a princess anybody can be a a Cinderella or a Sleeping Beauty or you know an Ariel it doesn't always have to be a girl with blonde hair straight hair like you know like you yes this is real Brandy who's Cinderella is real (laughs) and yes those are their vocals that's not that's not dubbed over or somebody else singing. Whitney Houston and Brandy have beautiful voices, as most of you know. But Who we had, had a bit of a sing off. They, they had a did bit have of a sing off. There was a bit of a battle there. That's hilarious. I think so Whitney good. got her. Whitney always wins. Whitney wins. Obviously. Always wins. It's Whitney. Um, so anyway, we say all this to say, like, look, it was a very emotional day for us. It restored our faith in humanity, but there's a lot of work still to be done. And I do. I think it needs to be said, a lot of people are saying you don't need to be saying thank you to people for showing, you know, common courtesy of and no, common sense of being, you know, pro, um, equality. Anti, pro equality. But I do need, think it's I think it's needed to shout out the fact that the people are educating themselves and changing the the, the systems that they were brought up in. And which is difficult if you have had families who've had strong beliefs for ever and you're going to be, you know, the black sheep, mind the pun, to, to kind of like think differently. That's difficult. So I do think, you know, I want to give a shout out to one of our closest friends, Shanzi, who um, she's Māori and proud of that, of her culture. But she jumped in the car and organized in her hubby um, 
Tom was like, yep, cool. We'll organize whatever we got to do. We had a bunch of other friends as well that supported us. Mel brought her kids. And that was a special moment too in itself. That's a story within a story. That was. That oh, is a, that's man. a whole other half of podcast. I know our friend Mel has um, three children who are, their father is indigenous, um, Aboriginal. And uh, they, their oldest son had a moment, man. Like he had a moment seeing all these beautiful brown skin people f- and all these other people fighting for the injustices that happened to people who look like his dad on a daily basis. Yeah, it was crazy. And you know what? Side note, shout out to Tom because he was going to come too. Um, but also he's trying to get him way, get his way through school and had a lot of school stuff to do that day. But also shout out to him because that meant he was with the kids and that means he had to allow his wife to head down with us. So um, again, thanks for that, bud. Thanks for that, bud. Thanks for that, bud. <laughs> yeah, and there was a lot of other people as well. that um, Angela and her family... Um, they, they came and supported, but I mean, it's people who, um, and there's another family I want to mention, but I'm not quite sure if they want their name mentioned or not, but we, we, you know, that we're talking about you and we love you. know who you are. Um, but I think also shout out to the families having hard conversations with their loved ones, like with their loved ones within their family who don't get it, who don't get why we protested, who don't get the injustices that's going on who don't understand why it's such a big deal, you know, shout out to them who every day show up and educate their kids on love and equality, but then also are having those tough conversations with people that they, they're, they're related to. And that's, you know, some of the hardest conversations you can ever have is with someone that you're related to. Yeah. Yeah. That, I was going to highlight that if you didn't, um, the kids, you know, shout out to the people who are educating their kids Because a lot of us, you know, the human brain stops learning at 25 in general. Um, So some of us are a lost cause. But where did you pull that fact out of you? Like, I'm like impressed. Well, you got to hit up Google. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, but yeah. So kids are the future, as we know. Um, And kids shape the future. And a lot of the reasons people have these... uh, prejudgments about other people is because they pick it up in their home, mm-hmm. whether it's from joking, whether it's from mistreating of other races, it's, it's picked up directly or indirectly from the home. So mm-hmm. if you, if you put positivity in your kids, that's what they will return mm-hmm. into the world. And I just want to say one last thing, just understand that like even CJ and I who are black were re-triggered by other people's trauma stories. So two, oh, yeah. two things come from that is that all Indigenous people, all Black people have their own stories, have their own um, experiences. So you cannot just hear the one and think that you've ticked the box that you're here. You got to let, you know, like you got to let people speak, tell their story, their journey. You, there's a lot to understand and process and not one story is ever the same. Not one experience is ever the same. Not one Indigenous person speaks for all Indigenous people. We don't speak for all Black people, you know. So it's like, I think that's something that's really important. I learned a lot as a black woman from another black woman. You know what happened with that photo? I've seen it live on Facebook. And that photo had that neon And my first thought was, why is anyone helping him? Why are they all just standing there and helping him? But then I see it from the other angle. I'm going to start 
It also made me think about the fact that this is a mother talking about her son who was triggered from hearing George Floyd's story because her son was shot at by the police. And so that triggered her. And that's triggering me because I have young children who are about to be grown-ups who go from being cute to all of a sudden a threat to some people for some unknown reason, why that's a thing. And it just made me realize we still have so much more to learn and to hear and experience from other people so we can show true empathy and really have that understanding. But now, like CJ and I, this is this is a fight that we fight every day. This is something we live and experience every day. But uh, to those who have just joined, uh, mental health is important. But also to my black brothers and sisters around the world, black joy and black love is just as important to showcase. So while people are getting normal, yes, yes, while yes. it's becoming normalized to see black people dying on TV, I want you to normalize your black joy and your black love because breaking those stereotypes and allowing yourself to feel joy because you deserve it, because you are worth feeling happy and love in your life. Self-care is important, but showcase that. Um, We're still going to have the conversation on social media because we live it every day. It's a constant, but we're going to start showing more of our joy as well because we're, fuck it, we're allowed to. I don't want to normalize you seeing black men and women being killed on TV. That shouldn't be normal. You should be, it should be normal to see black families, black husband and wives, black dads, black moms, black kids, being loved and happy. And I know a lot of you are tired of seeing and hearing about racism and seeing these stories and these these graphic videos and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I know it's hard for you. I know you don't want to watch it. I know it's, it's too much to listen to and you want to turn it all off. Well, it's hard for us to live it and we can't turn it off. Um, it's It's a very big issue. And it's being spoken about on a next level scale at the moment. And and we're going to use that platform. But as Nay said, we also need to use that platform right now. And I'm speaking directly to black people to promote these black businesses, promote black positivity, Mm. promote black culture, live your life and be your truest self right now while the eyes are open on the world. Mm -hmm. There's a big opening and I think we need to use it to promote us as a people. Not to down anyone else, but to promote us as a people. Because being um, pro-black is not being anti-white. And being saying that that black lives... Being pro-black is not anti-white. I think they need a third time. Being pro-black is not anti-white. Mm, I almost start speaking in tongues. <laughs> Ain't that right? Because uh, black lives are in danger right now all around the world and, and we need to stand up alongside our brothers and sisters and keep keep people accountable. This isn't, uh, this isn't necessarily a white versus black issue. This is a, a an us versus racism. People who are racist, people who, you know, think police brutality is is normal or acceptable. This is us against injustice. This is us trying to make the world a better place so that your children and my children will be safe. That's it. So that your children will have just as much chance of living a long life as my children. That's it. That's it. 
That's it. That wraps it up. I mean, well, that that wraps that subject up. <laughs> Damn, we were closing that good, and then I right. just, I just well, messed that up. Anyway, <laughs> we, we're going to be letting our soul rest for the next couple of days. We are still on a high from that Brisbane protest. Brisbane will always have a special heart place in my heart because they showed up and showed out. Yeah, man, they showed up. I mean, y'all they, all invited to the cookout. Uh, we don't have a big enough house for everyone, but if we spread <laughs> it out throughout a few years, everybody can come to the cookout <laughs> if we have one every day. Make sure you check on your friends, your family. Make sure that they're good because this is a tough time. There's a lot of stimulation going on on social media at the moment. There's a lot of uh, horrible things being shown. And a lot of people are feeling a lot of energy right now and a lot of uh, tough emotions and are being re-triggered from trauma and past trauma. So check on your people, black, white, and in between everybody. We should all be there for everybody. And uh, make sure that you love yourself, man. Because yeah. this is this we're in this for the long haul, but and love thy neighbor and do not be afraid to speak out for your black friends. Don't don't be afraid to speak out for them. Don't be afraid to to do that one post or don't be afraid to to tell somebody, hey, that's not cool when you hear a racist joke, because those little jokes and that little bit of space and leeway people feel to be able to do those kind of things grow into bigger issues. So don't be afraid to shut them down. We'll be your friends. We will be your friends. <laughs> we are friendly people. We are. We are very tall, but I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> that's fine. Tall people are good cuddlers. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. I'm, I, never, I don't know if that's the fact. I never cuddle anybody taller than me. So anyway, that's... I'm going to lead you out with a nice little chant that will make you feel empowered. And on that note, you good? You good? Black, 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 black,